0: Good morning, Freeze Ray readers and uh, now listeners. Uh, This is Rob Sturma. I am the editor-in-chief of Freeze Ray Poetry. Freezeraypoetry.com. And welcome back to, after a very, very extended hiatus, uh, the next episode of Freeze Radio. Uh, We're doing things a little differently in the 1-8. We're trying to uh, change our format up a little bit and make it a little more... uh, compatible with the journal that we have over at freezeraypoetry.com. i'm probably not going to sing it every time but i've just been uh listening to the dear evan hansen cast album this morning so musicals are always on my mind y'all they're always on my mind um What we're going to do is we're going to basically try to be uh, your nerd poetry radio station. Uh, We just put out the most recent issue of Freezeray Poetry, number 15. It went live about 36 hours ago. And uh, if you're not familiar with our journal, we try to get author audio uh, clips from all of our uh, poets and uh, and writers who uh, contribute to the journal. So we're going to use this platform to play... uh, Pieces from that are also on the journal. You can kind of, kind of like a read-along uh, type of deal. So you can click over on freezeRayPoetry.com, find the author in question, and uh, and read along with uh, with the audio. Uh, so the first one we're going to put up is, um, and if I mispronounce any names, feel free to call in and correct me, and chide me gently. I am a sensitive soul. Uh, this is Ron Reiki, and this is from our fictionish section. That's easy for you to say. Uh, the title of this, the Story is, we wanted to reenact a scene from Breaking Bad. And the thing that's interesting about this to me is it is um, being narrated by movie director Steve Balderson. So uh, enjoy. Uh, We wanted to reenact a scene from Breaking Bad from Freeze Ray 15. Have fun.
1: We wanted to reenact a scene from Breaking Bad. The difficulty was deciding which scene. We also didn't have a camera, but Jimbo said he'd pretend he had one in his hand, and that was good enough for us. The important thing was commitment. I begged to be Walter White, and Oz said no. But I did the stay-out-of-my-territory monologue, which is really just those five words, but I said it where the implication was that my territory is Walter White, and I was so dedicated that they knew I had to be that role. We needed to figure out the scene, and it couldn't be that one, because Jimbo had to hold the camera, so we'd need another person, because that one's a three-person scene. So we needed a two-person scene. Oz kept insisting it have to be something with me and Jesse Pinkman, but I wanted to do Crawl Space. Crawl Space is the greatest moment in cinematic history. The first time I saw it, I cried and had goosebumps and was laughing. I was so nervous that night. I kept repeating. I have to do something that good in my life. I was jealous and angry and happy. The scene existed. It hurt me deep in the guts and groin and center of my head. There's brilliance. And then there's perfection. Of course, this meant oz be Schuyler. At first he said no, but I begged, pleaded, told him this was about acting. And he had the critical line. Walt, what did that phone call mean? The scene would begin with him, not me. I'd be searching, furiously, tearing apart to find all the money. But it's his approach. That'd create the dynamic, and it would be a dance. I grabbed Oz by the shoulders, screaming, Where is the money? And he felt it. I yelled, directed, encouraged more horror from him. I had him do it again, performing the scene impromptu. No Jimbo. No invisible camera. Just us. Where is the money? Oz felt it in his body. He had to the scene is that good. And he became Schuyler, I swear. My cousin with his math teacher father and his home ec mother and his trailer park bedroom transformed, metamorphosed more than any Kafka cockroach could. He wasn't portraying Schuyler White, but was Schuyler White. And we got done with me lying on the bedroom floor like I'd had just been bulldozed, Looking up at him, and he had all this power hovering over me, and we knew it'd be an insane shot for Jimbo, just magic, we knew it. Oz said, "But you have to have a crawl space to do crawl space." And I told him, "No, no, 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 no. I have a crawl space. There's an abandoned house nearby, sort of, enough nearby. I had explored it. And there was perfectly, and I mean perfectly, or pretty damn close, a crawl space. We'd have to do some damage, rip up a floorboard, maybe some ceiling, get a ladder, but it could be done. Next you know, we're ripping up floor at night, trying to be quiet. But it's impossible. Destruction is always loud. But biting into floor and roof, that's extra loud. We didn't care. We'd stop and listen and pray no police happened to drive down this one road at this one time. Before we knew it, we had a dusty version of the famous house from Breaking Bad. We were ready. Jimbo was amazing with the camera. He was just using his hands and nothing else, miming, doing a Michael Slovis cinematographic shot. And he was miming shooting film. We weren't taping. This was American movie classics. This was Kodak. You could almost see the handheld modular 35 millimeter Aricam in his cradling left palm, lightweight, gentle, and the telescopic Cook 54 lenses. You could sense camera operators silently nearby. They were invisible too. But Jimbo was making it all visible on the run-throughs, where he showed us how he'd climbed the ladder, using no arms, and get to the top, looking down the whole time to get the precise shot. And I'd be lying underneath, so that if he did fall, the invisible camera and 185 pounds of Jimbo would land directly on top of me. I didn't care. This was going to happen. Jimbo had a few run throughs to make sure he could go up the ladder somewhat safely. But when it came to doing the scene, We had to do it once and perfectly because the emotions were going to be dangerous on our minds. Jimbo had his girlfriend timing it to call us exactly at 7.30 p.m., which would be in minutes. She would be our Marie Schrader. She wouldn't be on set, but that was fine. The speakerphone call, though, would add an incredible level to it. We used Jimbo's cell, placing it in the other room. Jimbo said he thought he heard a car pull up outside the house. He was worried it was the police. I told him to give us the goddamn countdown, and we'd start now. I started ripping up the bags I had. They were filled with Monopoly money. We'd bought four game boards to have enough fake money. There were real ones in there, too. A clutched few actual fives. I stared up at my wife. I grabbed my head. I screamed. I don't know if someone was outside, if police were approaching, listening, because with the cell phone ringing, I laughed like I was dying. I coughed like madness. I howled and purged and realized I had more than one human in my body, possessed. Jimbo's girlfriend was wonderful. Oz picked up the phone and she was real And he asked what exactly happened, and Jimbo, balance climbed the ladder with no arms, and I looked up at the ceiling in anguish, and thought of hell, and thought of hell, and thought of hell, and thought of hell. hell.